Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, I'm Craig and welcome to another episode of Football Kit Memories, the football podcast that gets under the shirt. Today I meet John Walker, host and creator of the excellent Scots Abroad podcast. Recorded just before the Euro 2020 Scott announcement, we talked Scotland and the reasons why John set up his podcast in order to track the growing number of Scottish footballers as well as the other interesting Caledonians doing their thing abroad. We also cover his other podcasts, The Trample Bet, and I find out about his ambition to become a professional football coach. Later, I ask John to pick three of his favourite football shirts and tell me a little bit about what they mean to him. We put our club differences aside as we discuss John's side Rangers, the World Cup in France 98, and we finish with a double winning Arsenal shirt worn by his hero, Freddie Lundberg. Remember, you can listen to this and other episodes of Football Kit Memories on all major audio platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please do like, follow, share, but above all, please do enjoy the podcast. Okay, so today on the podcast, I'm joined by the host of the excellent Scots Abroad pod. It's John Walker. How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, Craig. How's yourself? Mate, very well. Really glad to speak to you. I feel like I, I was saying to you before we just started, I feel like I've spent the whole day with you, Craig, because <laughs> I've listened to, to 10, I think it's about 10 of your podcasts. Um, I did cherry pick first. I went for uh, Gordon for the Tartan Scarf. I went the two boys, um, Joel and Craig from View from the Terrace. Yeah. I went John Johnson, your last one. Then I went to to Craig, the Arsenal photographer, Phil Differ. Oh, I've been through I've been through a, a lot of hours of your voice. So it seems seems <laughs> weird now. It seems seems like I'm listening to a celebrity now, Craig. Feels like I've met somebody. <laughs> mate, mate, that sounds like punishment to me. I think ten plays in one day <laughs> might well be a record as well. So there you go. <laughs> So, mate, um, do you want to just give us a bit of background about uh, who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm John Walker. I am the, the host of the Scots Abroad podcast. I run the, the Twitter page, which has become way more successful than the podcast had previously. Right. Um, just keeping up to date with sports stars, professionals that have went outside the UK, or when I say professionals, I'm talking comedians, actors, musicians who have maybe toured the world that have maybe got a story or two to tell mm-hmm. about what it's like being a Scot traveling around the world. So the, the, is the idea then to kind of like really broaden it out? So you focused on sports people, but I noticed there's a musician recently, right? Like you say, so. Yeah, with Barry James on, Barry James on for Cassidy. Um, Barry James has done solo stuff. The idea is to get comedians on. Um, we've got Ray Bradshaw coming on next, who's oh, nice. done sellout tours and won awards in Australia, doing yeah. their comedy festivals, gigged in America. 
gigged in other parts of Asia. And yet to get musicians on, people like try to get Mogwai on, Travis on, just different people variety. It's just really a um, a promotion of any Scottish talent that we have because we're so, it was something you were saying to John Johnston actually about Gordon, changing the mindset of not just the Scotland national team and its fans, yeah. but Scotland as a whole to stop kicking itself when it doesn't need to because yeah. it's got all these examples of being really good at what it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We well, you notice that so much in, even like I always think American sport, it's all about celebrating success at like every single level, isn't it? It's like kids play baseball and they win massive trophies and celebrate all that kind of stuff. But it just feels like we, and not just in Scotland, I think the whole UK, we just don't have that mentality, do we, I guess? No, we, we really don't. And we don't like bigging ourselves up. And we really do like to be overly <laughs> modest all the time. I don't know. Like, I think that's what happened with the Scotland fans um, on Gordon's point a little bit, is we almost got happy being miserable. Yeah. Because we it leads to something to moan about. It's, oh, I don't know. Do you know what? That's a really tough one because I, I stopped going about, must be about five or six years ago because I got really pissed off with the mentality of, oh, well, we've lost again. Let's just get pissed anyway kind of thing. And that really starts to bother me because you think how much money does it cost you to go abroad and watch these games? But, you know, that you, you should want better for that. You should want better for your team, I think. Yeah, no, no, I absolutely agree with that. And I think that is shifting to be fair. I think this generation that's coming, this younger generation of Scotland fans now, when I look at the talent that is coming through at the under-20s, especially under-21s, into this national team, I think there's like a, there's going to be a Scotland team. These these kids that are growing up are going to experience what our parents probably experienced, mm-hmm. which was Scotland going to major tournament after major tournament and it become the norm. And they're going to have to listen to us, lecture them over and over again <laughs> about how they need to cherish every single one of these games they can't leave a game early they need to enjoy every game none of it none of of it's a chore because if I had known what France 98 would have been at a school kid I would not have been out playing while Scotland played Morocco and not watching the game yeah totally totally so how long have you been running that podcast John? so the podcast itself on its own has only been about six seven months that's why the page looks so new but we had ran it. So when we started the Trample Bet podcast, which is just a, a betting podcast, mm. we realised very quickly that um, two or three white guys discussing analytics and football betting was hardly the most charismatic lesson you could have imagined. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd always been obsessed at that point. David Bates had just left Rangers to go to Hamburg. Ryan Gold was at Aves at the time. Jack Harper was at Malaga. And with Liam Henderson was... What was Liam Henderson at the time? Wasn't Verona. Oh my God, maybe. Barry? Did he go to Barry? Barry, yeah, I think it was Barry. Oh my God, that's embarrassing. I can't remember exactly where he was at a set time. That's quite embarrassing. <laughs> but those were the four key guys. And I was like, you know what would be quite cool? I'm fed up here in the rinse and repeat Ryan Gold article once every 12 months. Yeah. That's, oh, what, what happened to this wonder kid? Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start keeping an eye on him. Why don't we just have a wee five-minute segment in between our discussion of last week's betting picks before we go into this week's betting picks where we just say here's what some of the Scottish talent outside of the UK is doing and how they're getting on and it was just to break up the <laughs> the, the sports betting chat because even I, I mean I couldn't listen to it back like I had we've got we're lucky enough we've got a guy who's very talented and does all the producing right. but I was like I don't know how you can listen to that back because it's, <laughs> it's a struggle for me like the results were always good but it was boring as hell man yeah yeah so I lived for this little bit. And then we started very quickly, we started getting listeners going, 
oh, by the way, you've missed Rachel Corsi, who's the Scotland women's national team captain who's out in America. You've right. missed Fiona Brown, who's out in Sweden. You've missed Lana Cleland, who's out in Italy at the time, who just won the Golden Boot in Italy for Barry, which I do remember. Yep. Um, and then all then Stephen Lennon, I totally forgot about him being out in Iceland, breaking all the records. I was like, oh my God, this is going to grow arms and legs. Yeah. And then it got to a point where somebody went, should we not? Should you not be doing interviews with these people because this is actually quite a good niche. Look, yeah. like you have found a wee channel here, and I was like, right, but it's the same with everything. You'll see it now, Craig, that you've started. You've started interviewing people. Yeah. Once you get one decent guest, it validates everything that you're trying to go to, yeah. and you've got a a system, a record to go. By the way, we interviewed X last month. Would you fancy coming on? Yeah. And before you know it, that's it, and it just steamrolls and snowballs. And that's what happened to us. It just so happened that after about eight months, nine months of messaging people on Twitter, finding emails, finding agents' names, trying to phone people, yeah. that um, Ziggy Gordon, the Hamilton academical legend, mm-hmm. decided to move to Australia. Right. And it just so happened that I played sevens with somebody who's pally with his family and quite pally with Ziggy. And he went, I could probably get Ziggy to come on and do an episode. Right. And it was just one of those things. The minute that interview happened and for anyone that's listened to that, Ziggy Gordon is probably the nicest interview that anyone could ever have. <laughs> he could talk about football all day. Yeah. And once we had one, that was it. Everything just fell in for there because we could just go to everyone and go, we interviewed Ziggy Gordon from Central Coast Mariners, Fiona Brown, who was the Scotland national team winger, mm-hmm. um, was playing out in Rosengard, had just won the Swedish title um, after the previous season of winning the Swedish Cup. Right. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Then once she done it, Rachel Corsi had a, had a system of it, had someone to say, I've interviewed for the women's team. Rachel Corsi then agreed to do it. And then once you've interviewed the Scotland women national team captain, you can kind of get whoever you want to pull in. I was going to ask you, like, so I I think what what I really enjoy about the podcast, John, is that, you you know, you mentioned you see these articles get rolled out every 12 months. And I think as well as that on Twitter, you kind of like, there's certainly around Ryan Gould, for instance, there's like a real kind of like the Ryan Gould train that everyone's on kind of thing. And we're like seeing these goals that he scores for flat ends or it's like, Often it's an assist, isn't it? And all this kind of clever stuff that it does. But what I wondered was, how are you getting these guys to share so much? You know, professional footballers are usually very guarded, aren't they? Or at least protected by the club, you know, not to say anything. You're really getting them to share and offer something really interesting on those pods, mate. Um, beyond being extremely likeable, Craig. Beyond being ext- <laughs> it's coming, man. <laughs> no, I've got, I've got a face that I wouldn't trust if I came across it. Um, <laughs> But no, I think I've always been pretty honest and I think it's been reputation that's spread from each person in which I've I've always done, similar to what we've done there, a little bit of back and forth before we record. Yeah. Try and just get people relaxed. Yeah. I, it only, it's kind of the proof is in the pudding. So when I say to the first guest, say whatever the fuck you want, mm-hmm. you and your agent will get this and you just can pull out anything that you don't like. Right. And I will stand by that. And nobody will know about it except me and the producer. That'll be it. It won't. There won't be some clickbait headline because you've said something stupid about an ex-manager or an ex-player. Yeah. If you've said something just chatting to me that you've been comfortable with me, if you don't like it, it gets pulled. That's only happened once or twice, and it's been really minuscule things that's been said about. Okay. As I said, an ex-player or ex-manager, and we've pulled it. And from that, we're able to then. I don't know that any players referenced another player, but I've been able to say well, go speak to player X because we did do it for him just to show that you can relax, you can tell us what you want and we can take it for there. But I think it's just doing that. It's not fucking anyone about or messing anyone about or crossing anyone because 
what what I've noticed is a lot of our podcasts will then get picked up by papers to do the article and they'll get the clickbait headline out of the podcast. Yeah. Which is fine. Um, but what I've realized very quickly is that I could do that. I could do the podcast, get the key story, I could go to the papers and make money and also promote a podcast. But I also like the idea of them not having it. I like the idea that we've yeah. took it away from them. The guy didn't want to do their interview. Course. He would rather do something else with someone if someone else that wasn't going to maybe take take the words and use them differently, and they still try and do it. But yeah, I think it's maybe just been that trust because we we still do. We're able to bounce straight to players that we've interviewed and ask them questions about certain things. I would never confirm or deny that the information has came from those players, but yeah. I think anyone who's asked me, I'll normally reply with the same horse's mouth gif. <laughs> that, that kind of leaves me blankly going well i never never confirmed anything yeah but that's my source that's my source that's super interesting isn't it it's kind of like a obviously our newspapers journalists have a reputation because of the job that they have to do i think it's quite interesting that somebody like a footballer would would trust a podcaster somebody that's doing something slightly different something longer form i just think a really interesting take and in kind of the world we live in i guess isn't it hopefully We'll kind of be able to get more of this in-depth stuff with footballers all around the world really it's just so interesting yeah i think people are just bored of it as well i think people have been stung and i know for a fact ryan gold had been stung so many different times by different daily record journalists and articles that were not what the purpose of the article was which is which is why i think he was so quiet for so long like there was the odd wee day trip to forensa to see him that was done with the daily record that was quite good yeah. but it was that kind of blocked out because He'd done hours. We got quite a lot of interest. There was a lot of paper articles because he'd mentioned something about Billy Gilmore potentially going away with one of the squads at the same age that Ryan Gold did. Yep. So that got quite a lot of interest. But then from that, I've seen Ryan Gold do a few podcasts since, which is really, really cool because we're not taking any credit for that. But it does feel that maybe we opened them up to be like, you know what, not everyone's an asshole. Some people actually just want to hear what you've got to say. And he has, he's done the Dode podcast, which is a Dundee United podcast. Right. And we've done one with Ben McNichol, the Short Corner podcast. He's done one with Proximada, which is the Portuguese Scouser podcast. It's really, really good. So I think I think that helps as well. Once you get introduced and you realise that people sometimes just want to hear your story because they're an actual fan of you rather than somebody wants a story to sell their paper. Totally, mate, totally. So what is your background then? Like before you got into podcasting, or was podcasting your full-time job? No, no, no. Podcast is not my full-time job. I just work a, a normal um, nine-to-five Monday gig, which allows me to listen to as many podcasts as I do. <laughs> nice. Um, so now my background is not podcasting. Um, no no real intention to make it um, a full-time gig. My full-time gig that I want to be, I think we kind of spoke briefly, is football coaching. I'm doing my UEFA license now, nice. and I coach at Strathclyde University. So right. that's, that's the goal. And I think probably the Scots Abroad is a little bit of investigation work for me as well because it's not a dismissive thing but I do feel that UK football is a bit of a, a boys club and you see people that have maybe broke the broke the barrier quicker have been people who have taken veered right so if you think of like, so like Graham Potter Ian Caffrell have veered outside of the UK to come back in at a higher level mm. and I, I just think I've always found that more interesting and these stories are way more interesting to me than someone who's maybe tried to push their way through the system. Yeah. So I think it's maybe trying to hear from people lessons that they have learned from different cultures, different countries, and what was interesting about those countries, because there is loads of loads of cool stories that we have not even managed to get yet that yeah. we're still dying to tell. It says it's an ambition for you to kind of work in a coaching role 
abroad in football outside of Scotland. Yes, yeah, de- oh, definitely, definitely, one hundred percent. I would love, I would love to coach a semi-pro professional level um, in any country, any point, but definitely would prefer to try it abroad than initially. Yeah, um, in UK, I think it's just so much more interesting. I think there's so many different things to learn about culture. I've I've had jobs that have taken me to to Latin America, um, like day jobs. And I have kind of been fascinated by different cultures and different countries. And then when I talk to all these players who are out doing different things and learning all these things, it just sounds so amazing. And to be able to do that with a work that's not just a mundane day job, it's yeah, something yeah. you actually enjoy as well, yeah. would just be fascinating. And as a whole, I really hope it's something I do because for those who know the badges level, the UFA, UFA license is like your highest badge before you can do the pro license, right. which you can't do unless you're invited on as a professional football manager. Oh right, okay. So it's like the it's in, it's the next level down from a Stephen Gerrard. So mate, you mentioned the trample bet as well. Um, I wanted to know this year, are you up or you're down? Well, we're definitely up. This year's actually been quite incredible, and we've done we we've done really well. But see, the thing is, so Andy, who's one of the the co-hosts, always presents a, a massive, beautiful Excel spreadsheet at the end of the year. <laughs> which shows our return on investment as a as a betting podcast. Yeah. But the thing is, we've never sold ourselves as being tipsters because it's just not a real thing. Right. It just yeah. isn't. You're dealing with football, with VAR, with footballers, with different weather. You just It's just not feasible to be this idea of a tipster. It doesn't exist. It yeah. never has existed. It <laughs> never will exist. But we do like to present it in a format of banker, value, outsider. And then we do a charity treble. Yeah. And the outsiders are exactly what they are. We're trying to find you a five to one shot. And that has came up. I, I, our producer, Andy, our co-host, Andy, sorry, got about six outsiders up in a row, like two, two forty one in the Japanese league. Cause Andy's obsessed what? with Japanese football. <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. And this is what we try to do. We're not telling you that Bristol Rovers are going to beat Shrewsbury at the weekend because yeah. most people can probably find that form out somewhere. Yeah. We're trying to find Australian, Japanese, Danish, Swedish, Gordo, who's the other co-host, loves French conference division football because it kind of you always get the top teams kind of run to form. Teams that get relegated out of the national go straight back up. Uh-huh. So there is like there is like an actual interesting format that I think we provide, but we do dip our toe now and again if we think there's something silly um, yeah. on offer in the UK football. But we're definitely up. Like we've done done so well this year. Wow. Have you like do you find yourself kind of watching foreign leagues even more so than just in terms of that? Do you watching Japanese football or? Mate, we, we are like to, to cover Scots abroad at a weekend, and I'm not the only one. I know there's other people like Byron Hutchison who do yeah, he's great. like tremendous work with Scots and he is he has data insight is unfucking believable yep. because that's that's what he does. That's what yep. he does with his social media as well. Um so I'm not alone in this, so he'll also know what we go through. But we like any given weekend, now that you've got Steve Keane's the Melbourne victory manager just now. You've got Tom Aldred, who's who could qualify for Scotland, plays for Brisbane Roar. You've got Kenny Miller, Ziggy Gordon, Graham Dorans at Western Sydney. So any given weekend, I could be up at 6 a.m. to watch Australian football. Wow. Then I'll have football, that normal football, that I would watch at home. Yeah. And he quotes there, I realise that's terrible podcasting. <laughs> Air quotes. <laughs> and then at any given time, I could be... Like if I take the worst weekend, MLS being back now, I could be up to three in the morning watching a sport in Kansas game or an Inter Miami game. Right. So when I look at Inter Miami's fixtures and see six PM on a Sunday, I'm like, thank God, man, because I've got to work tomorrow. 
Yeah, delighted. Are they still on Sky Sports, those MLS games? Yeah, the MLS is on Sky Sports again. Australian football is on BT. So there is like re- real good coverage. Like it's, it's excellent for what we are trying to do. Yeah. Um, the social media teams in those leagues are tremendous as well for getting clips off of stuff because it's like posted right away. Yeah, that's good. Have you had any kind of players contact you on social media? Like you're, you're covering guys and really kind of speaking about them positively <laughs> and bigging them up and stuff. Has any of them ever like kind of thanked you or said, oh, you know, cheers for featuring me and stuff? Um. No, not not particularly. I've had a couple of players reach out to correct things that have been done, or representatives of the players, or people who are close to the players. So, I think I don't know if you'd seen like maybe a month or two ago, I'd said that that Ryan Gold was available in a free transfer this summer. Yeah, and I actually think pretty comfortably I was the person that broke that oh. because I think I was the only person with the knowledge of what was actually going on. Yeah, because everyone to a man and woman kept repeating back the same thing to me. Go and look in transfer market. Go look when they signed them. It's a two-year deal with a one-year option. Right. But I was told, I was told very simply that one-year option was non-negotiable and it wasn't happening uh-huh. from the player player side. Right. So I was able to, mouth, as you say. yeah. So I was like, right, well, I can definitely close that off and say, and then very quickly, friends stripped him of captaincy. They've then moved the transfer markets updated to say his contracts out. Everyone knows that that's him available now. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'd done a tweet. I'd done a tweet that saying that Jack Henry had been voted Defender of the Year based on a, a ratings of one of the national newspapers, yeah. and he had messaged me to say, "Actually, it's Player of the Year." I was like, oh. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Excellent, excellent, mate." Right, okay, that needs to be updated. <laughs> so, where where do you think Gold might go? I honestly have no idea. I know for a fact I've not spoke to a single person. Mm. I think what. I think the hope is that they get the Europe, the Euro twenty twenty one call up. Yeah, yeah. And they can do. Who was there? Was it Hull Rob, Robson Cano that did that? We Wales went to the Euros without a club. Did he really? I didn't know that. Okay. I think I think it was him. I might have got. I might have. I might have butchered this. Yeah. But there was like a a, a Welsh player who went to the, that Euros twenty sixteen without a club. Bell actually, you're right. And essentially used it as a an auction because yeah. that's it. Like if he goes, if he can go to the Euros and get. For me, I think everyone just thinks this is this is me just fanboying. I have loved Ryan Gold since he appeared, right? I was obsessed with him just because um, I, I'm a Glasgow Rangers fan. So when Ryan Gold broke through, Rangers were in the lower divisions. So right. I didn't watch a lot of sports team to begin with. And then I heard about this wee guy and I was like, oh. So I'd watch it for Dundee United because they were, they were actually a very decent side at that point. They'd, yeah. um, who'd, you, who'd you have in the team? Stuart Armstrong, Gary McKay, Stephen Ryan Gold, Paul Payton. They were interesting, so I watched and I got obsessed with this guy and just followed him. So I think people just think I fanboy a bit too much over him, and I think that's what people think Twitter's happening as well. Yeah. It's just people that are overly obsessed with this one me guy. Yeah. But if you watched the games that we've watched, if you watched the amount of hours we've watched, I know I post a, a penalty clip and expect everyone to get as excited as me because I'm oh great, Ryan Gold can score a penalty or Ryan Gold can take a corner. You're like, I know, but like, I do need to share this stuff because this is the stuff that people want to be kept in the loop of. Yeah. But beyond that, I have no doubts that if he turned up at the next Scotland squad, he would be in contention to start the next game. Yeah. It's the same with Billy Gilmore. I have no doubts if he turned up, the manager would then have to go, holy shit. <laughs> right, okay, this is this is what's in front of me. Yeah. So I think he goes to the Euro. I think if he gets called into the Euros, I think he appears at the Euros mm-hmm. or at least in the friendlies beforehand sells him into it. And then it's take your pick depending on how well you do. Yeah, yeah. 
You're right. I had Gilmore's another one, I think, that I think he's been crying out for a Scotland game. Yeah. For a little while. I mean, he's getting games now, isn't he, at Chelsea? I just think he just offers something so different. Uh, I don't care about age and stuff like that. I think he's offering, if, you know, if you've got a number of players who are the same in that position, I understand, but I just think he's got something else, isn't he? Do you know what it is as well? It's it's almost the thing that I'm actually so envious of England for. Yeah. But it's the luxury of making international tournaments all the time. As yeah. that England can pick a Theo Walcott that's not played for Arsenal yet. England can bring a Marcus Rashford that's just been brought in. Because you know what? If it goes tits up, they're going to beat the next major tournament. Yeah. That's the element of Scotland being like, don't fuck this up. Because we're, we're playing two of our tournament games at Hamden. There's a chance we might go through this group if we do it right. Because yeah. we also have the best third place position going beyond as well. And you're like, oh, so I think there's that panic of maybe not rocking the boat too much. Yeah. So just go with what you know and who you know is turned up to the squad, who's integrated well with the players, gets on with each other. Yeah. And then we can worry about the rest of that if we get to the next tournament. I think there's an element of that, whereas England know without a fiasco of 2008, England know they're going to every tournament. Yeah. So they can risk a couple of players that might not work out. Yeah. Well, they've just got so much strength and depth as well, haven't they? When you yeah. Comparison, but uh, there you go. So, mate, uh, just before we kind of get onto your football show choices, what's next with the podcast with Scots Abroad? Who would you love to speak to? Have you got any big guests coming? Um, so, I want to try and get a, a Euro 2021 build-up going. So, okay. the idea is... Get Ray Bradshaw coming up because I want Ray to come on because I'm pally with Ray because the the comedy clubs are opening up next week. Mm-hmm. So I want him to come up and talk about a bit about that and a bit about touring and a bit about comedy world outside of Scotland and what it means to kind of bring it back. Yeah. Beyond that, I want them to try and get Alex McLeish on because he was the guy that started this Scotland campaign. Right. Although, I mean, what was that, like three years ago now? Yeah. That, that UEFA Nations League started. Yeah. I want to try and get him on because obviously he's managed in Africa and managed in Belgium. Mm. So it still fits the narrative of what Scots Abroad is. Then we are getting Jack Hendry on, but we're just trying to find a suitable time because he's now in the playoffs in Belgium, so we don't want to disrupt that. And he might be going straight from there to the Euros, which means I can't disrupt that. The idea would be Jack Henry, Alex McLeish on a build-up to the Euros, and Sean Maloney I would also hope to get in before the Euros to discuss Belgium. So the idea is trying building up a kind of Euro platform to go into the tournament and then watch what's happening with these different Scots abroads all over the place. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So, mate, uh, question I ask everybody on the podcast, what do football shirts mean to you? I've listened to so many guests answer this, and I'm never going to be able to articulate this in a better way than, than the different people have. But it's almost like a, it's almost like a bit of like a time machine to nostalgia for me, yeah. where I see a kit and I'll see a goal. I see a kit and I see that time. I see a kit and I see that time of my life. And that's just a constant all the time. So when I see these kits, it does just take me back to when I first saw that kit all the time. And I'll have an image of a player that played in that kit and scored in that kit or a successful year that that kit belonged to. Um, so I think it's just that. It just takes me back. Mainly it takes me back to my childhood because as I was saying to you before we started, kits were better. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, quality wise they've got better now but back then kits kits were amazing like you could go year to year in that Serie A which is uh, controversial because it doesn't feature in any of my picks but you can go any year in that Serie A and you've got some absolute belters whether it's Fiorentina, Parma, Juventus Inter AC they're just unbelievable year on year Um, and it just feels like now it's a bit meh oh that's an Adidas kit not so much that's an AC Milan kit well, that's yeah. a night kit. Cool. It's very kind of template-led these days, isn't it? There's less risk. It, it saves them money. There's no designers creating specific kits if you're yeah. going with a key manufacturer because it yeah. saves them money on designers. They just do it, rinse, repeat, roll out, change your colour. Well, maybe that's just a sign of us getting old. Do you know what I mean? Which is yeah, hard got, is, past. is that what's happened? Are we the old guys now? Is that <laughs> it? <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I we know. are. Mate. Is that why everything hurts? <laughs> Mate, so let's pick. Uh, let's go to your first shirt pick. So um, this is a Rangers ninety three ninety four away shirt by Adidas. It's the old orange and blue stripes. Very nice, mate. Tell me more. So this was the the first year that I ever went to to football. Um, so as I said before, I'm a Glasgow Rangers fan. This was the first year I ever got taken to football. So it was really the first year I developed a massive interest. I had. I had vague memories of earlier games and stuff, but this was the first year. I remember the Rangers five in a row year where they almost made the Champions League final, but it wasn't quite um, sketched in my memory. I couldn't pick out anything specific. 
But I remember this was the year where Ali McCoy's came back from his broken leg and scored that overhead kick against Hibs in the cup final. Mm. Um, this was the year where I, I went to my first old firm, um, Ibrox. I won one game where it was a game where Celtic fans were banned from the stadium. Right. And John Collins scored a glorious free kick into Colin Scott to go 1-0 up. Yeah. And 45,000 people were just dead silent and there was nobody there to celebrate. <laughs> All you could hear was the players celebrating. So it was the most surreal thing that yeah. I'd ever seen. Um, but that year, I, I remember going to Christmas. I'd never owned a football kit before. Yeah. And I was like, I want the Rangers away kit. I'd only seen them wear it, I think, against Lefsky Sofia. I think that was maybe the game I seen them wear it when I was a kid. Okay. But it was this orange and blue stripe. But they also had a orange and blue stripe on one half of the shorts. Yes. So it looked like a like a button-down nighty. It looked like a woman's nightdress <laughs> all the way down on one side. And yeah. it was just... It was like, this top is beautiful. This is all I want. And the reason this top, I found a picture of it when I was cleaning out the house. Um, I just remember this top so much because I wanted the top for Christmas and I didn't get it when I woke up. It wasn't there for Christmas. Oh, but I was going through it with my grandparents the next day okay. and they had bought me it. Oh. And and that was it. Like when I got this football top, I was gutted because it had number nine McCoy's in the back, but I wanted number 14 McCoy's in the back. Because my real memory of football was he wore 14 when he scored that cup final goal. And it hadn't dawned on me that he was a number nine. He was the number nine player. Right. Um, but I was just obsessed with this kit. But, and I can see it now. It's like, I see articles on it all the time just now. It's like the most common chased after Rangers top that goes on sale through all the eBay sites. Yeah. But it's clear the fakes that are going through these sites because anyone who owned this kit at the time will remember the minute this kit got washed, yeah, the blue fabric died off, <laughs> and it went like a, a like a kind of faded blue, and the orange pieces thread all went bobbly. Oh no! It was pure shite. <laughs> it was awful, but it is my first ever football top I owned, and yeah. Rangers Rangers winning the double that year. It was just this. It, it's the one top whenever I see it. I remember just being a kid at Christmas getting that top, and I remember being excited to finally own a football top. So yeah. there was no way. There are so many better Rangers kits um, in my time. The nine in a row kit, um, probably the home top from that that cup final that McCoy used to wore. Yeah. Um, there was a few in the Advocate era that were absolute belters. Mm. But that top, just because it was my first ever top, there was no way I could not feature that. The minute you asked me, I had no doubts. I was like, I knew, I know my first one. I know Got that. It. But Love as we go, it becomes way more complex, man. I have no idea. I've stressed over this more than I've stressed over anything in my life. <laughs> Do you know what? I think that that era, like you were saying, that there were so many good, like, I'm a Celtic fan, I don't know if you know that, but, like, there were so many good Rangers shirts over that era. And I remember always being really jealous around, you know, the same similar age, like, being a kid and thinking, oh, fucking hell, I really wish I could wear that Rangers shirt. And obviously I couldn't do it. Um, yeah, mate, amazing era for Rangers as well. I was going to ask you, as a Rangers fan as well, you mentioned that season, the semi-finals of that first Champions League when it rechanged the format, right? After yeah. that, obviously so much success. It never really did much in Europe, did it? It never really did much in the Champions League. Why do you think that was? I think teams just get more competitive. I think there was more money for European leagues, which meant they could bring in better players. I remember going, so that was the first year I appeared at any games. And then as the years went on, my uncle would take me to the Champions League games only. Oh, okay. And then normally the the league game where we could tie up the title was the one that I would get I'd get taken to, oh. and the old firm games. 
And I remember going to East Champions Leagues and I remember getting battered off Juventus, somehow somehow drawn two each with Dortmund, then yeah. getting battered off Ajax home and away. And these teams were just a, like a different planet. I just think Rangers were so ingrained in being the British style that suited to win the leagues. Right. That we maybe just, like even seen it, see that, that year that we almost got to the final. Yeah. The results are still quite underwhelming. Like, Two two draws with Marseille are good because we came back for two 0 down in one of them, yeah. but we drew 0 0 at home to CSK Moscow, who had just been beat six 0 by Marseille. Yeah. Um, so there was I was a wee bit disappointing the results wise. I just think we were too too British a team in the continental football just took over. Yeah, that's interesting. I guess there's a kind of the world was a bigger place then as well. You saw a lot of kind of big English teams like United, Man United when they first got into Champions League took a few bad <laughs> results as well, didn't they? In terms of yeah. And, Arsenal, yeah, battered when they first went in. Blackburn, the year they won the the year the, they won the Premier League, I think they were rotten. I remember, I think, I think Mike, did Mike Newell get a hat trick in a game, but it was like the last game in the group or something. They were really, really poor, and I think it was that was when English football realised that if they were going to conquer Europe again, they had to go the way they ended up going and buying foreign players and bringing them into the league yeah, to take yeah. over. Yeah, interesting, mate. So how are you feeling at the moment about Rangers for next season? Obviously, you kind of broke the darker Celtics leagues times in a row. Are you feeling confident with Gerard? Is he going to stay? Well, he'll he, he'll stay another year because he needs to try and get he needs to try and get the Champions League because mm. um, that's realistically what he probably imagines is his future remit as the Liverpool job. Yep. Which I know sounds always sounds like a really naff argument to make, but where else does he go? He's already got the connection. He's proven he can now win a trophy. He's, yep. been, he's been good in Europe for Rangers, so he's obviously eyeing that job. So he's now in a bit of a, don't mess this up, prove that we can do it in the Champions League, and I'm a shoe-in for that job whenever it, whenever it comes up, as long as I don't mess this up. Yeah. For me, it, it depends a little bit on what Celtic do now. Like, I think the job... Somebody's, a couple of people have said to me that they think... Repl- I'm, not, I'm not a fan of... I'm a Rangers fan, right? So I'm not a fan of Scott Brown, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I've just seen the, the video that Lustig put out there. And I've seen all these articles all season. Scott Brown was so much more to that club than I think any fan is going to realise until he's left. Right. But I was saying to my, my brother, we were going back in time, I was like, there's nobody that stands out as the next leader of Celtic no. in that team. No. And when I look at the teams that I've seen in my childhood that I've went from, it went from Paul McStay straight to Paul Lambert. Neil Lennon was in that team. Scott Brown was in Neil Lennon's team. Yeah. So there's been a seamless transition to the clear captain for 25 years now. Yeah. And I don't see who's next. I don't, no, I don't, I don't, Callum McGregor's what, 28, 29? So you're asking somebody who's already at the back end to maybe take over. I, I'm, I think Celtic have got so, they've not even named a manager yet. So yeah. that'll, that'll be interesting. I think if it's Eddie Howe, it'll be a good, be an interesting season anyway. Because I think what Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe's football will make it an exciting football season Yeah, for both of us. But I think it depends how much money he's given to restructure and rebuild that team because there seems to be a lot of players that A, need to go or B, really want to go as well, doesn't there? So, yeah, there yeah. is definitely that. But all in all, Rangers, as long as Rangers hold on to their players because there's still a Euros, Barisic, Kamara are going to beat those Euros. Don't, don't know, Leeds maybe renewing interest in Ryan Kent. I'm not going to hold on to Rangers players if there's English Premier League clubs sniffing around. Yeah, that's that's the reality of what Scottish football needs to be if it's going to get out of being this. Mid- Scottish football is in the perfect situation. It has no money in it. Yep. 
So it's got time to produce its own players or pick up bargains and sell them on for big money 300 miles down the road. It is perfectly situated, especially with everything that's just happened with Brexit. It's yeah. perfectly situated to cash in on this and yeah. just milk England for all its money and start <laughs> getting that money coming through and developing younger Scottish players yeah. and going forward. And I think when I look at what's happening underneath Rangers' first team with Kai Kennedy, Nathan Parson, um, King, Dixon, there's people coming through there. Yeah. Um, Celtic with Welsh coming through. I think there's a possibility there might be something good happening. Um, we just need to get there. Yeah, exactly. You need to. Well, we've we've ridden it out for a few years, mate. I think we can ride out another couple of years for this last <laughs> come of age. I'm sure. Very nice. Right, mate. Let's move on to your second choice. So this is the France home shirt by Adidas France '98. Tell me more. Yeah. So this was definitely the first major tournament I remember watching. I remember this was my high school induction so this was at the end of primary seven they would take you up to high school for a day and show you what you're where you'd be sitting where your classrooms would be but it took place on the monday or tuesday whatever day it was was the opening game of brazil versus scotland okay so they told everyone that they would let everyone go home at half two that was on the induction right so i remember running home getting dressed sitting down to watch football with my brother and just being really excited because I was, oh my God, this is a tournament. I remember watching Euro 96, but I don't remember any of it. Like, I know I watched it because I remember watching it with my brother and my grandpa. Yeah. But I don't really remember watching it. Yeah. I know I watched it. Um, but I knew the players going into this tournament. I knew, I watched, used to watch Serie A. So I knew Zidane. I, I knew I knew all these, I knew Ronaldo going for Brazil. It was all exciting. And Scotland were playing Brazil. Scotland were playing the World Cup holders in the first game. So that immediately ignited my excitement. But... Nobody in my family was massively a Scotland fan. Like, nobody. We never went to Scotland games. It was always Rangers games we went to. That was that was what we followed. Rangers, we were Rangers fans. So mm-hmm. there was no massive excitement for me to specifically Scotland, which is why Scotland kit here is not the featured kit yep. and why the Euro 96 kit, which seems so popular with previous guests, is, yeah. has a feature here. Because it was just before... I don't have a, a linked memory to it. But I remember... I think in major tournaments, I've always supported the home team. I've right. always wanted the home team to go far. So very quickly, I was just attached to France. And I did watch a load of Serie A. So I was obsessed with Zidane. Yeah. And I think I was obsessed a wee bit with Zidane because the Scots abroad element came in as well. We, I was quite obsessed with Paul Lambert when he moved to Dortmund. Yes. Because I grew up in, I grew up in Renfrewshire. I grew up in Linwood. And that's where Paul, that's where Paul Lambert grew up. So right. his parents still live in Linwood. And um, I remember, like, the January of that, 97, during the winter break, Paul Lambert was in, like, our local shop when me and my brother were in picking up his papers. And she'd be like, oh, my God, like, he's in the Champions League. This was this fascinating thing. <laughs> and then I remember him playing against Zidane in the Champions League final, being like, there's no way they can beat him. There's no way they'll beat Zidane. Yeah. So it was just this obsessed thing in 98. I was like, oh, Zidane's the captain. Uh, sorry, Zidane's the, the number 10. Zidane's the leader of this team. Yeah. And just remember, getting, as soon as Scotland were out, my focus was in France. Um, I remember that. I remember that semi-final where Turam, who'd never scored a goal, scores a left foot shot from outside the box and bounces over the keeper. So he goes down too early. I'm like, oh my god! And then obviously the final. I remember that day. I was in a family holiday down in Haven Caravan Park that day, and Lovely. we were in like the the big community hall for yeah. the France Brazil game. And I remember just being that way. Almost an element of thinking Brazil were the baddies because they were so good. Mm-hmm. Like Brazil, they just won the World Cup before. They had Ronaldo. They'd all the best players, and it felt like France were this wee team. 
Yeah, yeah. But this massive underdog, and I was like, I really want them to win. And just remember both Sedan's headers, and that, that that strip is always just stuck out. I own it now. I didn't own it at the time. Oh, nice. Um, but I own it now, and it just it just stuck with me so much that yeah. above because I didn't have that connection with Scotland until like the last maybe until till maybe like two thousand four five was really when I started getting into following Scotland. Right. So I didn't really have a connection with a football talk before then, and I remember that you know what that France ninety eight. Is probably the best collection of football kits I remember. It was good. It was good. It was a lot of good ones. The, the Croatia top, the blue one, um, the South Africa green, white, and gold is an app. That's probably the best kit that I didn't have a connection to when I look back on the pictures. Yeah. Um, the England top's good. The, oh, the, the top uh, that and that World Cup was just phenomenal. That World Cup was immense. So yeah. that the minute you asked me, I was like looking. I was like, there needs to be. An, I need to have an international top in here. And I thought, first major tournament, and I sat down and watched end-to-end. Yeah. Who did I want to win? Who did I get obsessed with? I was like, definitely France. Perfect, mate. It's a great choice. Nice. So, mate, final shirt you picked is an Arsenal home shirt. It was worn between 2000 and 2002 by Nike. Uh, what's the link with this one, pal? Yeah, so this was this was when I started. The first time we got, I say we got Sky, we got Cable, okay. NTL. NTL appeared in the scene. And it was the the council option to Sky Sports. If <laughs> yeah. you couldn't afford a Sky Dish, teams as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you couldn't afford Sky Satellite, NTL was coming to your neighbourhood, <laughs> and you could get it cheaper. So my mum knew I was obsessed with football, and she was like, "We'll get Sky Sports, then we'll get the channels for you." Yeah. And up until that point, I'd never really watched English football outside of Champions League. Okay. I watched matches of the day, but it wasn't. It was always Scottish football that I was obsessed with. I always wanted to watch Scottish football, and. Freddie Lundberg appeared. Mm. This this guy who dyed a red streak in his hair, was playing for Arsenal, was just this mental guy that I didn't really understand. He'd scored a winner against England on his debut, scored against Manu. I was like, this guy's this guy's different, man. I quite like this yeah. guy. I'd got any I'd got any music at this point as well. I think it was 14, 15. Yeah. I'd got any punk music. I was like, oh, this guy's like everything I'm listening to. <laughs> and then I seen, as you'll see, this is like my third kit with a caller. I obviously love a caller. And I started watching football that 2001. So it wasn't even, this is back in the day when you got value for your home kit. Right. Home kit was two years long. Yeah. As you just said. So it was a 2001, 2002 double season. Yeah. And I was just obsessed with Freddie Lundberg. Yeah. I, I, like even embarrassingly, like see when I see people with their, their Twitter handles that have players' names in them. Yeah. I will always, I will hear people mock them and I'll go, are you right? And they'll go, my email address used to be Freddie Lindbergh 1986 at <laughs> I think my first ever Bebo was Freddie Lindbergh 8 as well. So I'm like, I mean, I, I, I sympathize with you being that person right now. <laughs> and the football that Arsenal played that 2001 2002 season mm. was just unbelievable. Um, that's, that, this is the kit that Bearcamp scored that goal in. Right, Nicholas Stabizas. Um, and I just remember the run into that title was just every game was Freddie Lundberg. Every game was Freddie Lundberg. Yeah. The run into that title was just Freddie Lundberg. The FA Cup final against Chelsea, Freddie Lundberg's running through. John Terry brings him down, gets back up on his feet and curls the ball into the far top corner to make mm-hmm. it 2 0. It just, everything was just Freddie Lundberg. The collar's up on him when he's running around. I'm like, yeah, that just, it takes me back to that point. And that was why I started following Arsenal. Yeah. Um, and Arsenal have been at my English team since. Like, like I actively 
follow Arsenal, so I'm a member of Arsenal Scotland. So we go to like four or five games a season, oh. normally normally away from home in the north of England because that's what we get the better allocation for. Yeah, yeah. So like from, from Freddie Lundberg onwards in that kit, I just, I've always followed Arsenal. There's been some absolute amazing Arsenal kits in that time as well. The centenary tip, uh, strip was very close. Yeah. Um, the maroon top was very close. Leaving Highbury one, yeah. Yeah, and another, it's another caller. So I obviously do have a thing for this caller. I don't yeah. know if it's like a, a John Travolta or a Ray Cantona thing. <laughs> it's been subliminally pushed into me when I was a child. But yeah. there's something about that caller up that I just uh, I absolutely love. So there needed to be an Arsenal top in here. But this is the part where I feel so guilty because I'm a Scots Abroad podcast yeah. who's promoting Scottishness. And I yeah. do not have a Scotland national team top. I could point to and be like, that's the one. I would just be making one up for the sake of it. Really? I actually think that Euro 96 top is bogging. <laughs> it's absolutely you know, disgusting. I just bought one and to put in a frame, actually. I never had it as a kid, that one. I always wanted it, but I got it from eBay, right? And it's it's horrible. It's horrible. I, I've, I've got it. I've bought it as well. I've got it. I've got that in my... I've got that. I've got France 98 and I've got the Argentina 78. Yeah. The Euronext X top is barking. It's so disgusting. I don't know. What, I don't get the purple bits on it as well. Where that it's disgusting. From. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. So, Freddie Lundberg, I wanted to ask you, what happened to him after he left Arsenal? He just never quite captured it again, did he? It was a bit... Uh, I, I honestly don't know. Like, like I would... I, see when we announced him as a caretaker... And he immediately brought in like Saka, or well, they were already around, but Saka, Smith Rowe, and the people that were coming around that he was going to try and pull in. Mm. I've been saying this for a long time at Arsenal. Arsenal have been a, a club on the steep decline into being a League United very quickly, yeah. um, to the point that I've been crying out just to play youngsters. Mm. So, see, when we brought in the person who was with the academy, I was like, this is the perfect fit. Yeah. We need to get rid of offering people like Ozil 350 grand a week wages because it's not sustainable I, I yeah. loved me I thought I thought Mesut Ozil was one of the best I still think he's one of the best players that's ever played at Arsenal yeah. but how that turned out was not it you've given Aubameyang this massive deal to turn 35 on yeah it's odd isn't it it's odd it needs to be a person who just comes in and just rips it up and says Saka Martinelli Smith Rowan Ketia Balogun um, I think people like Holden Tierney Better and you're fine with you're absolutely fine with yeah but I, I honestly thought when Lundberg got the job the caretaker I was like just give him the job and we'll just work with the youth team forward yeah half but too much money Arsenal are a Arsenal are currently a former club that still think they're as big as they were and they need to kind of drop down a bit to rebuild and get back to where they actually should be not where they think they are yeah that's the thing isn't it and it's whether you know you feel like that for that Aubameyang deal, like you say, it does sound a bit desperate and you're trying to cling on. You think if we just give him that money, he'll get us enough goals to maybe get us in the Champions League, all that kind of stuff. You're right. Can But can they accept two or three seasons of mediocrity to build up these young players? And, you know, I don't think they can, can they? It's too much money at stake. The, the thing I've always noticed with football fans, I am one, so I get it, yeah. is that you will be more patient if it's young players who support your club. Good point. So... P- Saka would not get the same abuse as Aubameyang would for a poor performance yeah. Joe Willock would not get the same abuse that Mesut Ozil would for a poor performance yeah. Smith Rowe will not get the same abuse as Granit Xhaka does for a poor performance 
because they are fans of the club. So on top of earning good money, you know it hurts them as much. I'm not saying these professional footballers don't hurt to lose games because I know I know how I feel losing a game of five asides. So <laughs> I know that these people aren't immune to being emotionally invested in a club. And I think the flip side of that is if I'm if you're seriously trying to claim that Kieran Tierney, because he's a Celtic fan, doesn't leave everything on the pitch for Arsenal, then you're mistaken. It's as simple as that. But yeah. I do think that people give more time if the team's full of people you honestly believe are supporters of the club. Yeah. I do think there is an element of that. And I think they would give. Look at what's happened. We've had the star players and paid the wages, and it looks like we're going to finish eighth or ninth. Yeah. How much worse could it have got if you'd played Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, and Ketia Balogun, <laughs> Nelson? Like, there's, there's players there that I believe would have been done as good a job, if not yeah. better. It's interesting. Isn't it? I, they've also let a lot of players go. I think, like, Hayden at Newcastle, like, hold a midfielder, like, desperate for somebody that can stick the boot in a bit. Do you know what I mean? And they let him go, didn't they? It's a... I always remember the tweet when we signed Flamini back on a free transfer yeah. the second time round. <laughs> and it was like Arsenal signed, it was like 2016, Arsenal signed Matteo Flamini to replace Matteo Flamini when they sold him six years ago. <laughs> oh dear, mate. Well, mate, look, that's, that's, that's three amazing shirt choices. Thanks so much for, for taking the time and obviously deliberating a lot as well, mate. It sounds like it's a tough decision. It was, man. There was so many, people don't know how many kits that could have been appeared on this. There was like, <laughs> There was one, I want to give one brilliant mention and it's maybe just something for people to think about later on. Mm. Our producer is a, is a Dumbarton fan. So he's a massive Dumbarton fan and he actually got to create one of their kits. Wow. Like in the 2012 season, he got to actually create a kit and he was just talking about that. He goes, you need to put this one forward. You need <laughs> to put this one forward. I was like, hey, that's a chat for another day. But it was just like interesting because I was asking him, I was like, do you think fans should have an input? Yeah into potential kit choices and he was like nah this is unique John we had to deal with like 800 people if Rangers put, if Rangers put a vote up for a home top there's going to be thousands of people very unhappy yeah you're right you're right a lot of clubs do that these days don't they you get like Twitter polls and things and I know like Morton Morton across the water from Dumbarton they they get fans to design their shirts as well don't they is that what they've been doing I just I just remember that he was constantly going on and on about this kit they designed and it was an absolute belter like it's really really good nice mate nice well mate look thanks so much for your time really enjoyed that and uh, as I say I'm a big fan of the podcast so uh, everybody should kind of follow that and make sure you get listening before the Euros I appreciate it and you need to do more episodes of these now because I've now basically extinguished your library and I'm now front out <laughs> I'm a great to speak to you thanks so much thanks very much cheers So there you have it. Massive thanks to John for sharing his football kit memories with me. You can follow me and my own collection on Instagram or get in touch via Twitter or email. Make sure you follow John on social too and also subscribe to his podcast. Scots Abroad really is one of my favourites. The music heard on the podcast was produced by Eva Led. You can check out his music on his Bandcamp. There's links to everything I've talked about in the notes section. And finally, thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed it, please do spread the word, give me a follow on social, subscribe to Football Kit Memories on your podcast player of choice. And other than that, I'll catch you next time. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 